0: It's alive. You're
1: going to need a bigger potion. I love the smell of night pump in the
0: morning.
1: Here's
0: Johnny. Where we're going, we don't
1: need clothes. Friends of the chopper!
0: Keep the change, you filthy animals.
1: English, motherfucker! Do you speak it? This is Sparta! Oh, serious.
0: Good evening, good afternoon, good morning to all of our listeners out there. This is the Rewind It Back Movie Podcast. As always, I am Bill, and alongside me tonight is Joey DePama. How you doing, Joe? And getting there. How you guys doing? Okay, so tonight, just being you, we are talking about the 1999 groundbreak breaking movie, The Matrix. But before I get into that, uh, we start diving into the movie here. As we know, have you heard this week? Great, unique comedian died. Gilbert Gottfried, I haven't read too much into his death. Apparently, it was an undiagnosed disease that he had. But, I mean, he (laughs) – I know a lot of people, if you ask, like, who would be a person to narrate your life, a lot of people would say Morgan Freeman. To me, I would personally like to have Gilbert Gottfried just of his – because he's just a firecracker, and that's how I can be sometimes. He did – his most memorable movies would probably be he did the voice of the bird in Aladdin. I forget what the bird's name is iago i think and he also was there's another movie i think that he was well known for was being the principal uh in the school and problem child he also was almost always a comedian on the comedy central roasts of certain people uh like hugh hefner david hasselhoff roseanne Barr. this one was a, a memorable joke that i remember from that roast
1: A drunken farmer stumbles upstairs into his bedroom, waking his wife, Roseanne. She sits up and sees her husband holding a sheep under his arm. The farmer yells, this is the pig I've been fucking. Roseanne says, you idiot. That's not a pig, it's a sheep. The farmer yells, Shut the fuck up. I was talking to the sheep. Classic. Rest in peace, Gilbert Gottfried. Yes, indeed. I always enjoy, I always enjoyed before we go on, I always enjoyed his nasally, gravelly voice as the Affleck duck before he got fired from that job. Oh, you're right. It was like originally, right? He was the original Affleck duck and then he got fired for something. I can't remember what, but he got canned (laughs) and he was hysterical. So rest in peace. So, yes, as we
0: mentioned, the tonight's movie topic is the 1999 Matrix starring Keanu Reeves, Lawrence Fitchburn, Hugo Weaving, and Carrie Ann Moss. For our listeners who haven't uh, seen this movie and probably people around our age, Joe, in our maybe late 20s to an older, uh, they've probably seen this movie at some point in their life. Me, I remember seeing this back in in middle school. I don't remember seeing it in theaters, but it was definitely a movie that I rented from Blockbuster. And then shortly after seeing it, I either purchased it on DVD or VHS. So the movie is essentially, it depicts a dystopian future in which reality as perceived by most humans is actually a simulated reality called the Matrix. It's created by machines to subdue the human population while their bodies, heat and electrical activity are used as as an energy source. So Keanu Reeves plays the main character in this movie. His name is Thomas Anderson, also known as Neo. He's a computer programmer and he learns all this truth and is drawn into a rebellion against the machines, which involves other people who have been freed from their quote, dream world. He then discovers that his entire existence and all of mankind for that matter is nothing but a simulation of the computer as we, as we mentioned. Um, it's like a reality within a reality. That's the concept. We've seen things like this, this theme, before it's up to present day. But I don't think not not like this. Um, seeing this movie when I was twelve or thirteen, when this came out, I did really did not understand what the hell was happening. Sure, like what drew what drew me in was the action sequences, you know, the the the, the shootout scenes, the slow mo, the bullet, the slow bullet moving scenes. But as I got older, I definitely like, kind of figured out what was going on because I got more into science fiction movies. This movie also has a great supporting cast of Lawrence Fishburne, he plays Morpheus, carrie Moss, she plays Trinity, and then eventually Keanu Reeves, he basically discovers that he can while in the Matrix he can control, bend and manipulate time. And again, like
1: once he fi- figures out how to do that, that's when you get the most like iconic slow-mo scenes. Yeah, so this so, so like Bill, I saw this in our our middle school days. I actually saw this in the theaters. And you know, it was quite the experience when you're how old were you? We? what, fourteen at the time when we saw this when it came out? You're maybe fifteen or somewhere in that ballpark. Yeah. And and you're right, at that time it made very little sense because there's it's not this movie goes way deeper than just action sequences and fight scenes and really explores a lot of interesting concepts between technology, I'd say the blurred line between us and the machines we create there are there's elements of fate and duality it's a really deep movie when you start getting into the weeds of sort of why why it is that neo you know he's a hacker by you so he might be a respectable software programmer by day but he's a computer criminal at night under the under the alias neo and you know he is exploring sort of the depths of the of the internet so to speak as we you know the inner tubes right And he discovers that there's, you know, there's this thing called the matrix. He doesn't quite understand what it is, but those on the outside who have been freed from the machines, Morpheus and Trinity, they know the truth and they're trying to unplug people who are, who are ready to be unplugged from the matrix to see the reality that is the world as it really is and not the 1999 picturesque world of the simulation. I think Keanu Reeves, he does
0: a really good job of playing this type of character. This this theme comes up a lot in our discussions throughout the movies we've discussed about he's just an everyman. He's not a muscle guy. He also doesn't have the longest of lines either. There's not a lot of dialogue in this movie for him. A lot of it is just him asking questions and a lot of, whoa. But you know what he kind of reminded me of is he kind of reminded me like how Harrison Ford is sometimes, like with Indiana Jones and Han Solo, like he's an action movie star with very little dialogue and that's, that's basically what they're both good at. They're, they're good at the action movies and not having a lot of lines.
1: Yeah. I mean, come to think of it now that, now that you bring that up, you know, that makes a lot of sense with, at least with Keanu Reeves. Like if you watch any of the John Wick franchise, you know, he doesn't have a ton of deep, thoughtful dialogue in any of the John Wick movies. He didn't have a lot of dialogue and speed. You know, in other movies he's been in, he's rel- he he's kind of a he's a presence on screen by because by being tall and, and you know being and doing being a good actor. But I don't know. For some there's something about him in this movie that it just stands out that he, you know, he he really does personify what you would think of sort of like a typical geek behind a computer and his constant sort of digging into the deepest parts of the internet and deepest parts of technology. It's I I love this movie. I find it, I just find it so it, for me being someone who's involved in the, in the tech world it kind of resonates. I, I understand some of these things and it tends to resonate with me a little bit more and i just I, lo- I just like the the way it looks at man versus machine because there is a whole backstory behind this that, that that gets talked about a little bit later in the movie I'm not sure if you're going to get to that point or not yet but there's more there's more there you, you learn why there's the matrix versus the utopia that we'll call the utopia that they live in during in the simulation this like most trilogies the first one in this sense is is the best hands down
0: i without without a doubt that is a hill i will die on two is to me it was just not good a couple cool scenes but like just the whole like the, the one fight scene that always sticks out is when he was like on that playground. I guess he met with Oracle there, and then like all of a sudden there's like with like 300 <laughs> Smiths yeah, uh, of, of just of clones of Agent Smiths. But so two just wasn't good, and the third movie was just was just not for me. It was it was just so uneven.
1: Yeah, the end was okay. The battle with the machines it was kind of okay. And you I, know. I I didn't bother to see the new one. What's it called? Resurrections that came out yep. uh, end of last year.
0: Did yep. you see it? Was that any good?
1: I have not seen it yet. I was hoping to try to get to it this week, but didn't have a chance to do so. I've heard it's, I, I've, from what I could tell, it's gotten some mixed reviews. So don't know how well it's going to hold up against the rest of the series. But obviously it's not the first one. It's not not even close and, and none of them are. And to be honest, I, if you were to look at the box office reviews of this movie and, and at, at at time of its release, it was considered either the best or one of the best movies of 1999.
0: Oh Yeah um i mean eve i have a list here just to just see where it uh sure kind of like just to compare it to other movies that came out 1999 is a year that always sticks out for me because we were you and i joe we were both in, in middle school like well into middle school at that time end of seventh grade starting eighth grade we're like 13 14 years old and um when i when i watched this movie or any other movie that um, came out in '99, like that was a time where I was like, I'm watching this movie, and I was like, man, I feel like I feel like I'm an adult now. Like I'm not watching like Disney movies anymore. I'm like I'm watching action movies now. There's cursing sometimes. You'll see a titty, you know, here and there, but uh,
1: No complaints. Yeah.
0: So other movies. Anyway, back to, on on topic with other movies mm-hmm. that came out in '99 was um, Varsity Blues, right. Austin pa- Austin Powers, Spy Who Shagged Me, excellent, Star Wars Episode One.
1: Not excellent, but okay.
0: <laughs> uh, Sleepy Hollow. Excellent. The Mummy. I have a story about that. Move on. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, Fight Club, Boondock Saints. And and The Sixth Sense, just to name a couple. What a fucking stack. Right.
1: And then oh, you had, man.
0: then you had this movie. And then I'm sure there's there's others that I'm probably forgetting. But those are the reading going through that list I found online, like those are the ones that stuck out to me because those oh, are the yeah. ones I, I remember like either seeing in the movie. Or renting it and sitting in my bedroom on a Friday or oh, yeah. Saturday
1: night. Oh yeah, I, I I still have a soft spot for the Boondock Saints and the Mummy. I don't know what it is about the Boondock Saints, but beyond the beyond the violence, but <laughs> I enjoy the Mummy too. I mean that that's, I do. Uh, I mean if that yeah. movie's
0: on TV, I'll watch
1: yeah. it. Yeah, uh, I'll. And my anecdote about that is I took my my middle school girlfriend on a date to see that movie. Ah, I know you're what talking what about. You do, and then <laughs> and she's lovely. She has two kids of her own, and. But her and I went on a date. That was the first time I had taken her to the movies, and that was a movie she chose to see. Nice. So, so it has a special place in my heart. Beyond the fact that it's actually not a bad movie, it, ha- uh, it, it has some memory for me. And also I read this too, um, just research on The Matrix, that
0: it sold <laughs> 30 million DVDs. Oh, yeah. I, I, like, I own it on DVD and on Blu-ray. Yeah. <laughs> I think I own it on VHS too. No way are you seeing sales like that today. One, because everything is—you have like your your streaming shit platforms, Netflix, HBO. So obviously, yep. no one's buying DVDs anymore. I mean, mm-hmm. I still do, Well, I buy Blu-ray or 4K yep. Marvel movies and stuff, but people are don't buy movies today. So that's a number that you'll that you'll never ever hear again. And also, Keanu Reeves, before he took on the role, the other two actors that were considered to play this were was Johnny Depp. And Will Smith, but Will Smith, yeah, I think Will Smith. I think I read Will Smith was offered this role. He turned it down to star in Wild Wild West. And Johnny Depp, yeah, I know you're giving a thumbs down. Yeah, that movie was pure shit. Uh, Johnny Depp, I don't know what movie he was doing at this time, but he he turned. Uh, it down. Sleepy so. Hollow was
1: around this time. There you go. So th- th- there's that's where he went. He did a Tim on,
0: Bur- He did a Tim Burton movie.
1: And honestly, there's nothing wrong with Sleepy Hollow. No, it no. just wasn't the runaway success. Matrix was. Agreed. Now, a little fun fact about this, too. So I I looked into this a little bit because it's, it's well known about uh, Mr. Reeves being the very, I'll say, uh, he's a generous celebrity more than most. And one of the things that he did in this movie was he negotiated his contract not for a huge salary, but for virtually lifetime royalties. And so every time this movie even gets a dust of commercial activity he gets like some obscene amount of money and he, he bet on himself because he, because the studio, I think it was Warner brothers. They didn't think it was going to be a success. They kind of appeased the Wachowski sisters at the time. And they thought it was just going to be a flop because it was complicated because it's complex, right? It's not an easy movie to understand, especially if you're in the younger bracket that they were looking to, 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 please. And he elected to take, instead of a huge, you know, lump contract, like a Johnny Depp would have done for like Sleepy Hollow or Pirates of the Caribbean, for example, he, he liked to take what are called counts. So the royalties sort of down the line from merchandising and from continuous purchases of the DVDs and reissues, reupdates, anniversary editions, those sorts of things. It's made him one of the wealthiest men in Hollywood for literally a movie he shot 25 years ago. Because he he gets paid every single year a huge check from Warner Brothers for this movie.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's the smart thing to do. I think the... Yeah. Uh, Jack Nicholson did the same thing with Joker with Madman.
1: He did. did. And so it's one of those things where you're betting on the movie and you're betting on yourself. It's a gamble because some people, like, for instance, with Bruce Willis, he always takes the lump payment. And that makes sense because he's had some clunkers that have flopped, but he got paid. So with Keanu Reeves, if this movie had tanked, it would have likely tanked the, the earliest part of his career. But because this movie was a runaway success and made, I think it's made $800 million in its lifetime. He's made a fortune and it catapulted him to the limelight because this would mean, great. Speed was good. Now it's the 1995 good movie. This brought him right to the top or close to it.
0: Yeah, because I think the only other well-known movies that he
1: was in before this
0: the first one that comes to the top of my head is the, the Bill and Tetch movies. Maybe that was another those one. Are, those are
1: great, but they're small market.
0: Right, 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 right. But, I, I, but yeah, this, this one, like you said, is the one that propelled him to the top. Um, so, okay. So we'll get into the, uh, the crux of everything with the movie. Um, as we already discussed, he's a uh, Keanu Reeves' Neo. He's a uh, computer programmer. And he eventually meets Trinity, who brings him to Morpheus. And Morpheus is Neo's mentor. And I think Lawrence Fishburn does a excellent job at playing this character. The way he delivers his lines, you know it's very confident if I, I think that's the right word, and it's also a style that makes this character unique and interesting, and then he he thinks that neo is is the one that's going to bring order <laughs> or something like that or sure so you, you can explain it better than me. sure and, so, and, and aside, so by
1: way. yeah so in so in in this movie, there's an ongoing Battle between the humans and the machines. So, what what they get into in a, in a little bit later in the scene that Bill is talking about after he meets Lawrence Fishburne or, or Morpheus, and he's brought he, and he's brought into the real world after being used as a effectively a battery to power the machines. We find out in the movie that about 200 years prior to the movie, which is 1999, give or take a little bit, humans had started to invent artificial intelligence. And they had used the artificial intelligence for sort of like like menial tasks, like factory work and these sorts of things. And the AI started to learn and grow and become its own almost sentient species distinct from the humans who created them. And there was, as far as I understand, there was a huge human-machine war that went on. The machines eventually won the war, but because they were powered by the sun, the humans blotted out the sun. Effectively almost killing both races. And then the machines develop the technology to turn the humans into effectively a battery because, they, because we as humans make a lot of electricity in our bodies, how we power our nerve endings and our higher, higher order bodily functions. So, they, so the machines harvest that energy to power themselves hunting down the remaining humans to turn them into food sources. So I still have so many questions to this. Go day. ahead. Talk, talk, <laughs> talk to me. Talk to
0: me. I, I still have a lot of questions to this day about this movie. Like, don't get me wrong. I really like it. But there's some there's sometimes whenever I, I watch this movie, whether it be just this week or like maybe five years ago, there's still a lot of questions like one. So the opening scene deals with Trinity. She's sitting at a computer and she's looking for Neo. So Trinity is in the Matrix. When does she have to be in the Matrix in order to
1: find Neo? She does. Because okay, go ahead.
0: No, no, no. I was going to say then the then, well, to answer that question, then I'll get on to the next part with the with the agents. Okay.
1: So the answer is yes. So what you don't see in the beginning of the movie is that she. So she's just sitting at a computer terminal in what we what we what we are believed to be is the real world, the world that that we all know. In reality, there is a. She is plugged in to the Matrix from the starship. She is that they're hiding on from the machines that you see later in the movie, The should call, I believe it's called. Abikinesa. Thank you. I, couldn't, I just couldn't remember off the top of my head. So that's the real world, but they're plugged into the matrix, which is based just a computer program. And then that, and that projects their form into the simulation, which, which, which we're believing at the beginning is the real world movie. And so, but because Thomas Anderson or Neo is only aware that he's in his, his life in the simulation, she has to find him through being in the matrix in the simulation herself she can't find him from just sitting out back so to speak and so then the agents who are the villain in this movie uh
0: they get wind of this and they try to track neo down before morpheus and trinity get to him Mm -hmm. Uh, so they track him down into his place of business where he's hiding in a cubicle he runs you know in and out of the office and morpheus ends up sending him a cell phone via fedex <laughs> and uh he ends up talking to him and try to you know let him know that he who he is and what he wants to do and how he's the chosen one and he's also given him direction of how to maneuver through his office they get to escape the agents one of the ways of him escaping them is going out these i'll say 23rd window and down the uh scaffolding so he balked neo balks at that idea and he ends up surrendering to surrendering to the agents And this is where that um, Agent Smith sits down. That's who we're introduced to. Agent Smith, who's played by Hugo Weaving. He's a fucking awesome villain. He, I don't think he He is. It's really something to watch him act in a very serious matter. Like he's very, he talks like this Mr. Anderson. He does. drags out his words.
1: Like that, like his. His whole demeanor. It's a whole demeanor. It's not just his words. It's the way he carries himself. Exactly. no just like
0: exactly the way he carries himself like he has all these traits that he has in one character he's there's anger there's hate sense of dread and he also has a good sense of humor too surprisingly so
1: and so just before we go on you know i know so on on the show we've done another hugo weaving movie he was v in fever vendetta and he's been in a whole host of other things in in popular cultures such as in the lord of the rings franchise he's the elven king and You know, he and he all and he he definitely has he definitely plays these sort of stoic I won't say righteous to a degree, but definitely very deep and powerful characters, at least in the movies that I've seen him act in. And, And that's no more that's no truer than this movie. As Agent Smith, he is just he's a stone faced wall of nothing. He's just he's there to enforce the rule, so to speak.
0: So then there's the scene where they're uh, kind of interrogating him in, the, in, the, in, like a, in an office place, and they end up bugging him. And it's the, one of the famous scenes that always sticks out that I always remember is that um, Agent Smith asks him to comply with what they're talking about.
1: Wow, that sounds like a really good deal. But I think I got a better one. How about I give you the finger, and you give me my phone call? Oh, no, Mr. Anderson. You disappoint me. You can't scare me with this Gestapo crap. I know my rights. I want my phone call. And tell hey, me, Mr. Anderson, what good is a phone call if you're
0: unable to speak? Neo's mouth just, like, starts to together. together, mold yeah. together. He looks like fucking Winnie the Pooh, like, with honey coming out of his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they end up bugging him. They put, like, this freaking spider but like I look like a combination between a spider and a shrimp they put it in his belly button and he ends up waking up on his couch thinks it's all a dream and then he ends up meeting trinity at the club and then they're in like in the alleyway or something like that they end up debugging him in the car and they bring him to morpheus and that's when morpheus tells him about what the matrix is and he gives him the option of choosing the blue pill where you you know if you forget this even happened you go about your life or you take the red pill and you fall further down the rabbit hole and see what that see get to see what i am talking yeah. and, about and
1: and so that concept of the blue pill versus the red pill has has been taught has been has become a meme in many respects we see pictures of that scene sort of presented to people it's an older meme format but still valid but it also represents the choice that we all have to make in li- in our lives at some point a- any choice doesn't matter what choice it is either to push forward or to fall back it's sort of like a fight or flight response, right? Like at some point all of us have to make choices that require us to do a little bit more than we are normally comfortable doing. Or in the alternate, we can retreat back and just kind of, you know, status quo go park on the couch and and act like nothing happened. And so and that's and it's it's this kind of stuff that makes that this movie so powerful. It's these it's the, it's these underlying concepts of Machines and man, and duality of man, do the, the you know, f- choice versus you know, and free will versus fate. These kinds of uh, theme elements, which are really interesting. But that scene in particular is just like, all right, what are you going to do on the spot? Yeah, So
0: he ends up taking the red pill and he he ends up waking up in a uh, in a human pod, so to speak. And it seems like the humans in their pods are kind of be u- being used as, as batteries.
1: Yep. So as I mentioned earlier in the, in the episode, the machines have developed a way over the last couple hundred years to clone humans. And as soon as they clone them, they plug them into the matrix. So they effectively grow up within the simulation, never knowing that they're actually just a battery. That's, that's where, where their biomechanical energy is being harvested by the machines to power the machines themselves. And so what the so what the red pill was was a software program that broke the connection between the matrix and Neo. That's why he wakes up in the pod. It takes it pulls out the the plug from the back of his neck and all the shit out of his arms. All those things in his arms and his neck are his connection to the matrix. And the energy and the tubes that draw the energy out of its body, that power the machine. And so you'll notice that the machine flushed him out of the system, right? And so what it was doing was the machine recognized that, okay, this battery is basically dead. So it got rid of it and it's going to grow a new body in the pod instead. And that's when Neo was picked up in the, that wherever he fell out of the machine. he was picked up by the Nebuchadnezzar and the crew. So here's a question again. Shoot. I have a lot of questions. <laughs> it's fine. I'm so, here.
0: So if this, if, if if essentially in present day, which is whatever the year this movie takes place, far into the future, when these humans, if, if 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 present day is is man versus machine, basically or Sentinel, whatever you want to call them, as soon as the humans wake up out of their pods, why don't the machines instantly kill them? I mean, considering that they're they're newly awakened, they have no idea what the hell they're going on, they're helpless
1: that 's exactly they're, why they, they don 't have to
0: they 're newborns basically, to put it in a better way, um, yeah. and, but they know like kind of like they 're going to be part of like the quote
1: rebellion against them so nope they don 't no be- so it's an, uh, they might, but you have to remember too that they, they may have the mental awareness of something 's wrong, but physically they don 't have the the, the the wherewithal to do it. One, so, after, so, one thing, so this would be a little more clear in a second, but one of the things that happens when Neo gets picked up by the Nebuchadnezzar is that he's put on an operating table and they're trying to rebuild his muscles. He's being filled with, you saw all the needles in his body in that scene on the operating table, right? Right. What they're doing is they're trying to give him muscle mass because by laying in the fetal position for 40 or whatever, I think he's in his, in his 30s in the movie-ish thereabouts, he had never used his muscles ever he never walked so he has no control over his body so by so the, in the machine's view while he while the human or we'll call it a battery just for kicks might be aware something is mentally aware something is up they physically are are no threat cuz they'll die they'll die in the elements they'll die falling out of the machine it doesn't matter to them
0: yeah because when he when he first awakens he complains about how his eyes were hurting or something like that about the lights. Correct. And, and Morpheus says it's because you've never
1: used them before. It goes for his whole body. It's not just not just his eyes. It's every part of his body had never been used before. So if you just look at it from a sort of functional perspective, what threat is basically a giant newborn. <laughs> yeah. So um so
0: yeah, so from then on he, the, he goes through all these training sequences, you know, the, I know Kung Fu. That that's probably, that,
1: that's one of the most famous lines of this movie. <laughs> yeah. so Everyone goes, knows that line. He goes through all these training exercises of learning like
0: Kung Fu, Tai Chi, Taekwondo, all these martial art training stuff, you know, basically, and then throughout the whole thing, Morpheus is trying to get him to free his mind of, of everything, like you, you can jump from building to building yeah like if someone said jump that building you're like oh no i can't well look just like you know where you are now you're in the matrix you have the ability to you know stop time bend yeah. things you know just like yeah. just free your mind and just go for it and and essentially think you can do it and you can warp physics basically to yeah. your will yeah so that's the gist of it about how uh, neo comes to be the one through uh through morpheus and the guidance of morpheus and trinity so let's talk about the the other characters in this movie one of the other uh, bigger characters is a side villain. His name is I was going to say Cypress. It's not Cypress. It's a uh... cypher cypher. Thank you. So he's a great side villain. I think he's an, the guy who plays him a little is an underrated
1: actor. He's been in a couple movies. Yeah. He's been more uh, than a couple. He's a character actor with a long career. His, oh, yeah. name, is, his name is Joe Pantoliano. Yes. He's been in everything.
0: Critically <laughs> underrated. Uh, he does a bring, brilliant job of bringing this character uh, to life. Oh, he was in. He was in Bad Boys one and two. That's a movie I just uh, thought of. He was in.
1: Yeah, he was um, in U.S.
0: Marshals. He is a, He's he's an important character to the plot. He basically he's he's had enough. He wants to become human again. So he he starts playing both sides. Well, Morpheus trying to get Neo up to speed and you know becoming the one and at the same time. He's giving information out the back door to the agents. So here is the biggest plot hole, Joe. To me. Is okay. the scene, Is the scene when Cipher is meeting with Agent Smith in that restaurant and giving him information over mm-hmm. a steak dinner? Now this goes two. It can go two ways for me. One is that so when you go into the Matrix, you get the the, the needle jammed to the back of your head. So it's it's mm-hmm. going into the Matrix is a two man job. You got the guy going in the Matrix, and you got the guy like a uh, tank. The character, yeah who we'll the operator to. yep yeah, the operator we'll get into him in a minute it's a two-man job so how the hell is he in the matrix talking to agent smith when it's a two-man job like how does no one notice that this is going on and how they don't see him talking to an agent or the other part of that is I'm thinking is that is that a scene that is basically before all of this happens with Neo? Like is it just like a random scene that just gets thrown in there but there's no rhyme or reason as to why it's there, which essentially is is the plot hole that I'm talking about, about, you know, yeah. how he can't be there without someone helping him. You're you're so, right. So am so I saying is what I'm asking is like, is it is it is it just a plot hole or is it maybe just a scene that's thrown in there as uh, something that happens prior to prior to Neo coming into, uh, into yeah. the picture?
1: Well, there are certainly good arguments for both sides. Right. I mean, I I mean, to me, it seems like a bit of a plot hole. I, I have to say it does seem like a little bit awkward. Given the fact that they can be that tank and dozer can literally trace them to work, to like the floor of the building they're in, so it does seem a little bit odd that Cipher is meeting with an agent at a what appears to be a very luxurious steakhouse in whatever city they're in. And I think I think it may have been a bit of an oversight on the McCloskey brothers' part, but you roll with it at this point,
0: right? So the reason why I think it. The reason why sometimes I lean towards the latter of him, it being a scene that took place before all this happened, before like while this betrayal is going on, is because in the opening scene, when we meet Trinity and we before we find out she's on the computer, she's on the phone and she's on the phone with Cipher talking, and she gets like she gets like this bad feeling that like, hey, is this call being traced? And he's like, no, he's like not being traced. We're we're fine. So I kind of feel like that's Ah. that's kind
1: of like a. Maybe a flashback to that maybe scene. a
0: flashback, yeah kind of thing and um, that's a, and', that's, and
1: that, that's a good point though, because one of the things that is very apparent is that beyond hiding from the machines, they are their task is to find the one based on being under the commanding the command of uh, Morpheus, right, so maybe it was as I just could not think about it, now it's a good point what you, you may have what that scene may be was a preview to what's happening and the fact that you know technically if they're yeah he's plugged into the matrix via the ship's connection and tank but maybe he was passing it off as part of the mission to find neo and they were splitting maybe they were splitting up to you know cover more ground or access different terminals you know at all so that's a good that's a good observation but it it but it does ring like a little bit of a plot hole a bit but I, but i think i like your explanation better than mine so ciphers a
0: the side villain, then there's there's Tank and who just talked about his brother Dozer. Um, they are 100% human. I think they're like the la- the last, the last of the kind, I guess They're
1: pretty close to it. So that, so they were humans who were natural born outside of the cloning outside of the matrix. So presumably after the human machine war, some humans had survived who were not part of the matrix and had reproduced like normal humans do and the tank and dozer were it <laughs> they were they were the last two so they're the brothers so the other characters are switch
0: apac or tupac whatever his name was Apac. and then the other guy his name was
1: mouse and mouse like i don't know what surf like purposes. he's just a programmer he's just, he's, he's just he's, he's a little dude no yeah, little, you know really you know a generally irrelevant character did some sim- did some training programming but honestly He's kind of there. And Switch and Apoc too. I mean, they're more senior on the on the on the Nebuchadnezzar, but they're just like Morpheus and Trinity. They're humans who have survived and have been and been in hiding from the machines. So they're there. They don't really have much of a, a role in the movie. Yeah.
0: Well, oh, God, it was but Mouse, every time I think of I see him and I instantly think of that scene like with them sitting around like the table eating breakfast or whatever the fuck that Some shit was. Some sort of drool. Some kind of mush. Wet. Oatmeal. He calls it. He's like, oh, this is this, like, hey, this kind of reminds me of a tasty wheat. Does he ever have tasty wheat? That's it's not tasty wheat. It's not oatmeal. It's fucking cum with corn in it.
1: That's kind. That's the kind of guy you punch in the face.
0: <laughs> right? Like, yeah, you're eating this, the slop, and you're like, oh, yeah, it's this, this just oatmeal. So they all go into the matrix. Eventually, because what, what happens first? Well, why do they go into the matrix? I forget. Is it it's when it's, it's when Morpheus gets captured? What was the reason why they went in the matrix altogether with Morpheus before he gets captured by this by the agents? Oh, oh, I know what it was, Joe. They were going to the, see the Oracle. They were taking Neo to mm-hmm. the Oracle. What is her like? What is so special
1: about her besides Ah, uh, the the Oracle. She is a, another program in the Matrix, and she basically is the force that she's a program that basically is the foresight and balance of the matrix so she gives the information that basically determines whether or not the one will be able to combat the machines and sort of bring because it's a cycle right so one of the things that you learn later in the in the franchise is that humans and the machines have been fighting for multiple cycles because the program runs on sort of a cyclic pattern And the humans get nearly wiped out, but then they rebuild and fight the machines. It's sort of this ongoing battle. And the the Oracle basically is sort of like your divining rod for your hero, so to speak. That's why she assesses Neo and is like, you're not the one. You You got the gift, kid, but you're not really here kind of idea. So there's that scene, and this is where Cypher
0: basically leads an ambush against the team ends up putting a, a cell phone on throw, ditching it in a trash can in order for the agents to basically track them down they get ambushed and that's when basically almost half the team gets wiped out maybe more than half because Mouse is the first one to get killed they, they break down the doors and he pulls out those two guns that look like Duke Nukem guns he gets just he blown just away <laughs> he just gets obliterated beyond belief and then um, so Cypher is back on the Ebukonezza. Um, he ends up killing Dozer he thinks he kills Tank, but then like, you know, he gets on the phone with Trinity, he confesses his love to her and all this other stuff, and he starts pulling the plug on APAC, on Switch. Tank comes back to life, blows him away, brings Trinity and Neo back, and then they go back into the Matrix eventually to save Morpheus from the agents.
1: That's because Morpheus sacrificed himself so they had time to escape. He fought Agent Smith in the in the bathroom of the building that they were in got the shit beat out of them because the the agents are ev- effectively invincible computer programs. They're not, there's no human on the other side. They're just programs whose entire function is to keep the Matrix balanced by by effectively deleting things that are bad within the system. In this case, Morpheus and his colleagues. And then the next scene, scenes, I should
0: say, is the action that this movie is known for. The shootout scenes, the the slow-mo of like, twisting and turning and shooting in the middle of the air the roof scene with neo dodging the bullets where he's bending back on his on his knees and bullets are flying right past him and then that helicopter scene when it's on the side of the building when they save morpheus and at one point like the helicopter starts to crash because it gets it gets shot down and neo saves trinity because she jumps on like the, the the rope that he was hanging from and she smashes into the building and then the helicopter joe the hell you know see yeah. i talking about the helicopter hits the building on the other side of the street and then there's like this wave on the building before all the glass blows out so yep. is that like being in a computer i guess that's that a glitch when too much shit happens
1: at one Mo- time it- basically it's a it's like remember this movie's entirely about bending the laws of physics and the laws of reality Right. So under normal circumstances, when you throw a helicopter at a building, you can imagine the, the impact of that. However, in the matrix, when you're bending the, the laws of physics, basically the helicopter sort of you know, deflected the energy around, around the matrix. And then the system caught back up and then you saw the, the, the normal expected explosion of a helicopter hitting a glass panel skyscraper. But in that instantaneous moment, you sort of they bent the laws of physics to such a degree that it caused a ripple effect, and then it caught up.
0: And then so they save Morpheus, Neo, and the and Agent Smith. They they duke it out. They have their whole fighting sequence, flying through the air, shooting each other. Every bullet misses. <laughs> uh, at one point, Agent Smith ends up killing Neo for a couple minutes, and then trinity says like oh the oracle told me that you know i'd be in love with the person who is the one and i'm in love with you and she kisses him and it's like this whole sleeping beauty disney movie thing where he just wakes up and it's game time he it's gets resurrected you. and he is he's the one he stops the bullets he ends up killing agent smith and all the other agents and uh yeah that's that's the uh, that's the movie another thing that really sticks out besides the movie itself at the at the time in the night in the late 90s 99 in middle school is the soundtrack to this movie now, this, the soundtrack, it's a lot of music that I'm, I don't really listen to much anymore. Like the Raging Against Machines on there, I still listen to them. Deftones, I still listen to them. But the soundtrack, when, I don't know, I don't, I don't know what came out first, the soundtrack to the movie. But either, anyway, when at, in, at Taminin, when we were, I was on the basketball team, I remember the soundtrack was always playing in the Taminin boys locker room before like a game when Taminin was was at home it's like it was the soundtrack to get pumped up though the soundtrack always sticks out in my mind and brings back you know just nostalgia for me
1: yeah i mean I mean for me the soundtrack is you know i i have nothing against any, any of the music it's just it's really not my music but it does fit the movie very well it fits the time it fits the nature of the movie with so the themes it represents I mean, everyone knows rage against the machine is all about the choice of how we behave and how we act and how we respond to the government. Right. And in some, and in some respects, you know, it's almost like agent Smith is the government sort of overpowering the big brother esque, you know, especially in that scene in the beginning of the movie, when he's sitting, when he throws down the files and you know, you're guilty of every computer crime we have laws for like, you know, acting like some federal agent trying to, you know, trying to bully a common citizen. Right. So, and that's, and the music really fits that mindset throughout the whole movie it's not just that but it's, it's, it's the music fits the soundtrack is
0: a lot of i'm the same way i mean again i'm into still in the rage against machine and the deftones i'll listen to them but a lot of the soundtrack is like this industrial sounding music marilyn manson rob zombie prodigy like a very like nine inch nails feel to it which i'm not interested in but again you know it's it, it brought me back to those those times when things were a little bit easier
1: <laughs> yeah i mean i i do remember in our in our youth in middle school and early high school and, you know sitting there and i listen i i have listened in the past to rage against the machine as a kid and you know i was big into 311 in middle school and you know we had so that vibe and you know i was big into like you know like real big fish and that kind of stuff so you so i mean stuff i don't listen to anymore but every so often when it comes on i'm like i remember just like being in middle school dances you know it's, it's <laughs> oh yeah Instead of being at the dance and, you know, watching the Sixers basketball game in the cafeteria. Yeah. I remember that. Oh, yeah. Hard, hard to forget when it's like you, you, me, Dan, Greg watching the Sixers. Oh, yeah. Sitting there in the gym with chocolate milk and pretzels. Hey, and there was also iced tea, lemonade, and, and, uh, and some chips, too. Yeah. Who, who, who needs a school dance? Who needs chicks when you got basketball on? Damn. Damn, Joe. Good job. See? I didn't comp- I completely forgot about that and that's around the time of this movie like 299 yeah. 2000, 2001 it's all in the same it was still one for the sixers but you get the point well yeah they were you know, that was still
0: iverson and everything but yeah yeah damn good call so that's all i have Yeah. Uh, to talk about with the movie i don't know if you had any other topics of conversation you wanted to, to bring up
1: and so i think just for our listeners out there you know and and i i'd urge this to tim last week on our on last episode but this is a movie that everyone should watch but you have to watch it with an open mind it's a surprisingly intellectual movie and it's not a movie that you can really watch once and sort of pick up the details it's very detail oriented some movies that we've covered on the show for instance like you know slapshot or like you know last action hero for example are a little more mindless fun you know there's not a, there's no there's no not a lot of depth it's mostly just toilet humor, Arnold jokes, you know that kind of stuff. But something like this requires you to really sit down and sort of think about every scene and what it means, because it, because it's a brand new story with no canon. This is the canon story, and then they expand on it in the other movies and in the books and stuff. But this so, so kind of like Star Wars and kind of like um, Lord of the Rings, where they just expand on the mo- on the on the original story based on the, the first movie and you really have to pay attention or you will miss the entire point so i urge all of you to watch the movie but watch it with an open mind and pay attention
0: yeah exactly that's a good point i understand it now as an adult a little bit better after i've seen movies like this oh yeah uh, throughout the, throughout the course of my life but like at, again at the time when you're 13 or 14 like the only fucking thing that you care about in this movie the whole time you're just like what the fuck is going on but like yeah i mean you're you, basically you,
1: watching gunfights and carry moss's ass the whole time and that's about yeah, it
0: that is, that is what you that is why you pop this into your in your dvd or yeah. VHS player at, at, back in the late 90s when you're a 13 or 14 year old kid to see those action sequences but now as an adult kind of understand a little bit more i mean even like i just asking you questions just because these some of these questions every time i watch this movie those are the questions that go through my mind like yeah. like just just why or how and that's why i ask you or ask anyone else whenever i'm talking about either this movie or any other movie that i just have questions for and i just yeah. can't crack the code and it helps to talk it out and try sure. to find uh trying to find a, uh, an answer.
1: So. Oh, sure. I mean, I mean this, movie, this movie in particular, just because of the many layers, and it was meant to be that way, right? They, the Wachowski brothers, now Wachowski sisters, meant this to be a movie where you really had it, where they really wanted to explore a lot of these as technology, which remember, because at this time period in, in our, certain, you know, our modern lives, the internet was taking hold and technology was starting to really pick up the speed and become what sort of the Leviathan that technology is today. And this is right around the time when the dot-com boom was happening and among other large technological events that would set the stage for modern communications and other modern advances that we take for granted, like Amazon, for example. With Amazon, they debuted as a company in 1998 selling books online right around the time of this movie. So, so this movie was sort of on the bleeding edge of technology for its time and kind of brought to limelight some of these technological issues and sort of how we interface with that as humans and people. I think that this movie at the time, as you mentioned, made little sense minus action scenes, guns, and carrying moss. Now that you've seen technology, you've used technology in your daily life, and you're more aware of some of the way is moving us, in the into the 21st century and beyond, you know, what this movie represents, what it stands for, and some lessons to learn from our, our interfacing with technology. So it's a deep movie, but everyone should watch it at least once in their lives. You can skip the other three. But this one is the one you need to watch.
0: And it's relevant to today because if totally. you if you keep up with like the big tech world, Elon Musk, <laughs> you the big tech billionaire, this is the way he thinks. Like he it is. he he thinks that there is like I think he said that he thinks that there is a billion to one chance that our reality is not real. Yeah. And He's not he, feeling don't, I don't want to go down this that no, no, that no, rap, no. that topic conversation on that rap No. Rap. If anyone <laughs> if you're if you're interested, Joe, or if any of our list, listeners are interested in about reading how Elon Musk thinks this way, like we're essentially <laughs> living in the matrix. Google it and have fun with it. But yeah, yeah.
1: it's a rabbit hole. But there are but there are prominent people in this world, including Musk and some other academics across the across the globe at prominent institutions who believe that it is more likely than not that we are living in some type of simulation akin to this movie. So let that rattle around your brains for a little bit over a glass of bourbon and glass of bourbon or bong
0: (laughs) and just have just have the conversation with your friends. That's a that's a couch conversation. Agreed. So, but that's all I have for this episode, Joe. Uh, do you have anything? Or- I think I'm all set. So
1: all right. everyone watch it.
0: Thank you to all of our listeners who continue to listen to us on all of our platforms. That is Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast, and Breaker. Thank you for all of our listeners who gave us the time tonight on Twitch. You can also check us out as always on Instagram whenever. Uh, new episodes drop. I've also gotten into the habit of giving you a, uh, I guess, what the movie industry calls a coming attraction, where I just show like what movies you have coming up for the month, so you can check those out as well. I'll be posting that within the next week of what May is going to look like. Thank you all again for listening to us, and goodbye.